stack of very heavy pavers in my driveway that I not, did not expect to be delivered today. So I've got that waiting for me. That tells That's you right. how I'm doing. I saw that pallet out there with lots of stone on it. So <laughs> what a joy that'll be to take care of. So I don't know if we need to hurry up or if we need to take our time, <laughs> one or the other. Well, we have plenty to talk about today, though. So I guess we should get started with that. But first... We have a question, our, our weekly question that you you uh, posed. I think yes. it's a good one. Yes. All right. So I was curious uh, if you rolled up or chose to have a character, if you rolled a seven on your mm-hmm. on your ability roll, on your, not your ability, your, your, your uh, like what's a, the? The dump stat? For your stats, that's for it. stats, yeah. So you got a negative two on any... Stat. Hmm. Pick a stat and and tell me how you would play it. Well, I think for some fun, I would probably, I don't know, the one that seems easiest to me to have some fun with is to put that into dexterity. <laughs> and my character, I believe, and I don't know what class, I mean, if we were just to throw out some classes, I don't know, probably, I mean, I'd like likely a care a cleric. I think it'd be fun to play a cleric with a dexterity of seven. Might even be challenging, but fun to play like a rogue who thinks he's really sneaky, but he's got <laughs> no sneaks whatsoever. The worst, the world's worst rogue. That's right. And so I think that's. I mean, I think I would play a total klutzy sort of character. And I, I think the fun part of it for me would be to play the character as if he doesn't think he is. Klutzy. And every time I actually do a successful dexterity roll, it just builds his confidence to think that he can do things <laughs> that would that would be like there's the knowledge, like I'm sure everyone at the table would always make fun of him for his klutziness and dropping and tripping or not being able to make some sort of a deck save. But every time he he succeeds on one, I think he'd become more like, I can do this. I can do this kind of stuff. Let me unlock See? that door. See? Yeah. Let me try to unset that trap. Or he hides. And he's in plain sight, and everyone's always like, get down, get down. I think that's how I'd play that. Yeah, a a sort of doesn't think he's a klutz, but he is with a negative, or with a seven dex, negative two bonus. I think so. What about you? There's a couple. I mean, you you think about it, and it becomes kind of fun to sort through almost any of those Mm -hmm. stats. The one I chose is charisma. I mean, I think that's a dump stat for a lot of people anyway. It is. But I was thinking you could really, you could go in a lot of different directions with a negative two charisma. Because my, my first thought when we first started D&D is that just a, it was the equivalent of, of attractiveness. Yep. Like, no, that's not really it. That's not it. You mm-hmm. can be, you can be a good looking person with no charisma 
you can be very plain looking, but have all kinds of charisma. Yes. I realized you could, you could start if, if you have the right kind of table that you're playing at, right kind of fellow players, you could do, you could have your character bulch and break wind at a lot of awkward <laughs> moments. Right. He keep would, his mouth open. Keep his mouth open. Ask, uh, the other thing I thought that would be, could be funny if you've got the right group is asking really awkward questions in a very kind way. So ah. interacting with ah. NPCs and saying, oh, my dear, are you sad that your entire family was just slaughtered and eaten in front of you? Is that what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just that that could be fun. What could be fun but could also get real irritating real quick, interrupting and touching moments. Mm. So that, that yeah. a little of that would go a long way, but yeah. you'd have to be careful not to overplay but it could be... Right, very timely. Be, yes. Yeah. I was thinking about, as I thought about this, I don't think you've watched the um, Vox Machina no, cartoon No, I've read yet. the graphic novels, but yeah. The character of Grog, I think they frequently have him do things that would strike, be negative charisma. Okay, yeah. Um, cool. You know, it's funny talking about um, the, the complication or the misnomer that charisma is solely looks... And that's how I remember playing first edition. You know, we we're kids, so the understanding didn't go very far, but uh, we always thought that's what it meant. Yeah. And then I, I want to say, I'd have to do my research on this, and maybe some, some of you listening can give us uh, the feedback on where this is. But for a while there, maybe it was in second edition, they came out with, a, with another stat called comeliness, mm. which was attractiveness, okay. um, appeal to you know visual appeal and then that gave a different meaning to what charisma meant and it sort of started for me as a kid sort of brought in the idea of so what is if if comeliness is attractiveness what is charisma mean and i think that's where i started understanding that charisma is more is, is less about how you look i mean looks could help with charisma but like you said it doesn't have to i mean you can have a really not attractive person, but is really friendly and, uh, you know, does things to build you up as a, as a character or player that, you know, they have a high charisma, Mm -hmm. are very persuasive with their language, things like that. And so that comeliness step, but then that disappeared. I don't think it was in edition three, so it must've been edition two or could have been a third party. I don't know. There weren't many third parties back in that time. No. So I want to say it was probably, again, I'd have to go back to my player's handbook, second edition, to find that out. But interesting. Yeah. And I agree that charisma often is a dump stat. Um, as long yep. as you just kind of look around your table and you say, who's going to have the high charisma for persuading and, and intimidating and things like that? I think that's something that I, I as a DM, I realize I, I probably frequently overlook opportunities for to I, I I don't create opportunities for high charisma characters to shine. Mm-hmm. I need to do that more where there are opportunities to persuade or yeah. or intimidate mm-hmm. or you know and otherwise affect the game through that mo- mechanic rather than just here's yeah. my sword and I'm going to hit you with it. Well, I never realized the importance of it of charisma until like your bard why can't I think of your Nikistos. Nikistos, he is really powerful in like he uses charisma to like as a power. And well, um, I thought that was so cool of you to allow your DM plans to be derailed by that. 
that was the first time I saw that happen mm-hmm. and kind of open my eyes to it, that you had a character you expected, you planned to be sort of this yeah. multi-story arc of our nemesis. Yep. And then Nikistos went and talked to him and convinced him, had yeah. a good speech. and Softened him for sure. Made a good role. Yep. And you went went with it and changed the whole thing. And and that was, from a player's point, that was a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. that, oh, I'm glad I, th- I'm glad I tried that. Yeah. And that was cool that that happened and that kind of built up. And I can remember that, that night that we played that, it was just you and I sort of sparring. Yeah. And I didn't, we got so into it that I didn't realize like the rest of the group was just like, on the edge of their seats, waiting <laughs> to see what was right. going to happen in this. And it yeah. was a, it was a neat moment. It was a really, really cool, yeah. cool moment. So yeah. It, I mean, interesting conversation on charisma, but then also the, the concept of how to play, how to play a dump stat. And you know who I think, who I think that we play with is expert at using the dump, dump stat is uh, Chris Metz yeah. who plays Rick's Maddie yeah. and care. Uh, well, Caladan coming up in some stories. We're going to tell. Karavec, Karavec, and um, and he's Jacques mm-hmm. in Slint. Uh Chris is a master at using those dump stats, and he uses them in such a way that when I'm at the table or even as I'm the DM, sometimes I don't realize that that's his dump stat that he's like really trying to pre- you know push and pressure, but he's using it because, and I think maybe that's where I got the inspiration for my my answer how I'd use it. He uses it as if his character doesn't know it's there, mm-hmm. or his or his character knows that that's a weakness, but I'm gonna go for it anyway, kind of thing. So my daughter does a good job of it's not quite the same, but she has fun playing characters that do things and they don't know how they do them. Yeah, and she will usually misdirect, and they, she'll always do an action with whatever she's like. The the example that she used that was kind of kind of fun is she's a cleric, but she thought she was more of a like a like a vitamin salesman. <laughs> so whenever she would cast healing whatever, she'd run and give one of the characters a gummy. And she thought her character thought that's what was actually healing them. Yeah. So it's I love it. fun little things like that. So anyway, I think we've asked before, but we'll ask again. If you have questions that you think would be fun for us to answer, email them to us or send them on Instagram or Twitter or yeah. any of the social medias. And in the meantime, let us know if you've got a fun way that you play a dump stat. Absolutely. Love to hear how everyone how everyone does that. So for our show, this is something that we intended to talk about sooner than now. But as I mentioned, I think last week, you know, the end of the school year can be a little tricky for teachers. <laughs> and a lot of getting a lot of stuff done in a short amount of time. Or Plus, we both have kids in high school who have all kinds of end of the year activities that we need to go and, to. Yes, and track meets. And <laughs> oh, yes. All sorts of stuff. Which so, are very fun, but they do eat up the evenings. So They do. They do. The calendar at night is almost as busy as the calendar at the work, <laughs> at the mm-hmm. workplace. So on April 21st, Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons made a series of pretty sizable right. announcements, things that we have been waiting for, kind of keeping our fingers crossed on, and they answered a lot of wishes on mm-hmm. that day and gave us some some extra uh, items along with it. So we're not going to take apart 
the entire 30-minute announcement and every little bit, but we're going to talk about a couple of the big ones today. I think this is, Dan, you and I kind of put an order to it. Let's, I, I think I'm going to switch the order just a little bit. Sure. I want to talk about the, the Radiant Citadel. Okay. This is going to be an anthology of adventures similar to what looks like in my eyes or what sounds like in my, in my mind, the Candlekeep Mysteries or even the, the Tales from the Yawning Portal where they are adventures that will build in level. So you start the book, front of the book is going to be level one, two adventures, and it'll move up into more epic adventures later on. In the announcement, and I don't recall the gentleman that introduced this book, but one of the things that really stood out to me in that announcement was really intentional in their description is all of the authors, and I'm going to use his language, all the authors are either a brown or black skin color. I don't, maybe I said I was going to use this exact words, but I don't think I did. But in other words, all minority authors is what mm-hmm. I took from that. And I think that's really cool, um, especially looking at the idea and the concept behind this book. A lot of sort of mystical type of adventures. I like the way they pointed out that there is a lot of travel between realms here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorites is, I think this was the eighth level. They, they talked about three different adventures in specifics. One was an eighth, a 14th, and then their last one was the fourth. I was getting nervous that, <laughs> that they were going to go into like a serious, epic, like 20th level adventure. But the first one they mentioned was very full of colors uh, in the images, in the mm-hmm. imagery. And as we know from other D&D books, the pictures in the book are designed. I mean, it makes the book interesting to look at, but it also is there to inspire imagination. And their goal there was by using a lot of these pastel colors, which is unusual for a D&D book necessarily. I mean, I can think of some books that have a lot of color in them, but based on the example they gave us, it's like, this looks very different. And I love mm-hmm. the way they tied it into something we knew and that it was kind of like a Jamaican kind of uh, feel to it. Now, I don't remember if they said that that's that's how the feel like like a feel of Jamaica no problem on, but I think they were using it more in like the color of the Caribbean. Yeah, I picked up definitely Aztec. Oh, vibes. yeah. Okay. They they have a, a Day of the Dead type of a celebration, and the the language ear. I I heard some of the names that they gave to places sounded a lot like Aztec names. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really cool. And I, I can't remember how many, did you write down any of that? Dan was being the responsible one while we were watching the video and writing things down, and I was not. <laughs> and they, they said certain amount of numbers of new locations. So a number of new locations, I'll just put it at that. <laughs> I, I don't remember now. But And then there was a few more cities than the locations. So one will take you village to village. Well, they did. They had a lot of like portals, and they made a point of saying that there are. They didn't say it like this, but there are extra portals, so it's easy for you to to attach this world and yes. this set of adventures into anything else, right? That you're doing. So you could use it as side adventures in a main campaign, or you can use them as new campaigns, or like take a break from what you're doing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this one. It, you know, I, I really enjoyed Yawning Portal. We played several of the adventures out of there with our our group. I know our friend Marcus has done several of the Candlekeep uh, mm-hmm. early adventures, the level one, two, those with our game club. 
and just reading through those have been a lot of fun. So I look forward to this one. The one we haven't played out of is the Feywild uh, book. No. That there are adventures in there. We haven't done that one. But anytime I can get some adventures that I can either steal from and steal the concepts out of or that I can use in part or whole, I love that. I, I, you know, And I always loved playing in first, second, third edition when I was younger. I always loved playing through those modules. So that's what these that's what these books are basically. Are there the modules that we used to buy back in the day? The A one, A two, A three. Now you just buy it all in one right. in one book. Right. So very cool. Well, I think it's probably about time to take a quick break, and then we're going to break down a couple of the other announcements that uh, Wizards of the Coast made on April twenty first. So I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream. This is Teachers in the Dungeon. We'll be right back. And we are back, teachers in the dungeon. We're talking about the April 21st announcements from Wizards of the Coast. And I think we're going to talk about next the big announcement that many (laughs) people have been talking about. I don't know. It depends on what camp you're in, whether it's the big announcement or not. But it's the one I've been looking forward to and hoping. And that is the Spelljammer announcement. They led off with that. They gave lots and lots of hints along the way, especially I loved the way they played that April 1st social media post where they have Boo the space hamster floating through space. And then everyone was like, wait, is this real? Is it April Fool's? Is it real? What's going on here? And then they dropped a few other hints on social media along the way. And I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't catch the hints because I know Boo the space hamster as the companion of Minsk, the ranger, who is in Baldur's Gate. And so I didn't know what to think of that other than maybe we're going to get some Baldur's Gate news. So so correct my ignorance, Spelljammer, what, what is it originally? So Spelljammer originally was, and, and little little bit here, I never played Spelljammer as a kid. Well, I take that back. We tried to play Spelljammer <laughs> a little bit, and it just didn't, we, we just went right back to D&D. But I was always amazed by it because I am a science fiction fan, huge Star Wars fan. Star Wars is a fantasy science fiction story. So I was always kind of spellbound, if you will, with Spelljammer, but I never found friends to want to go back to it and give it a try. Back in the day, my recollection of Spelljammer was it was an outer space adventure where you still used swords, sorceries. You might come across weapons, this or that kind of thing. Um, one thing that sort of that sort of satisfied my need for space was the module Expedition at the Barrier Peaks, where you actually did come across, as D&D characters, you came across a spacecraft that had either crashed or, I don't remember now exactly, it's been years, but you come across this high-tech, you fight robots, you find uh, power armor, things like that. So that sort of satisfied my need for outer space in, in D&D. Was this... Was this created by TSR as well? TSR, yep. Okay, yep. so historian here, so it doesn't matter probably to anybody else. But so this this intellectual property came along with D and D when Wizards of the Coast bought it. Then that's my guess. Okay, yep. And they've been sitting on it. Is my guess. I, if anyone out there knows, let us know through social media or email us. Be happy to correct any speculation that we have on our part. But my understanding is, yeah. I mean, yes, I do know that Spelljammer was created by TSR how that came over to Wizards, probably through the purchase of that, that right. those properties. Right. And so it just was, it was very spellbinding to me how this all would work in outer space. And then it's just sort of disappeared. 
Um, moved on to other things. College came, played in college, played D&D in college and just sort of forgot all about Spelljammer until, I don't know, in the last year or so where it kind of became the discourse on social media of people sort of mentioning it and bringing it back. And, and when people are talking about their wish lists and watching Unearth Arcana, which always seems to be the preview of what Wizards seems to be thinking going forward, there seemed to be some things that were sort of hinting towards that. And so now we get this announcement on April 21st that Spelljammer is back. Yes. And so I'm pretty excited about it. And one thing that maybe this is what it was back in the day, and I just didn't pick up on it as a kid, is it's not necessarily outer space. It is more the astral plane Mm -hmm. between planes between the space between i saw chris perkins put on social on twitter a few weeks ago or or not a few weeks but a couple days ago that he someone asked the question give me an idea of what like what is this that they're floating through and he says it's the space between planets which to me would say outer space but a lot of the language seems to be pointing to the astral plane so i'm not sure i was gonna say usually dnd when they say planets they often mean planes yeah, yeah. And and I, I probably need to go back to the DM's guide or the back of the player's handbook and read up on what all of these definitions are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the idea that, yeah, it's not really outer space because then you'd need, you'd have to deal with the vacuum of outer space and air and all that. Whereas the astral plane is something that people can exist in and creatures can exist in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little, so in the announcement, if you didn't see the announcement by Digital or D&D Direct was the title of their program. And they have about a minute and a half animated video that sort of introduces Spelljammer. I just love it. It's it's very spacey, mm-hmm. but D&D all at the same time. They right. show this old, this you know wooden warship of some sort and they've got the pirate music playing and it has that feel for it but they're in outer space or in the astral plane i don't know i just think that's cool it's so totally nerdy but that's what that's what it's all about right (laughs) i think (laughs) so in their announcement they have a package that that we as as players will be able to purchase and i don't remember if there's a name for that package or not but the package comes it all comes together in a slip cover Mm-hmm. And there will be three 64-page hardbound books along with a DM's guide. And then they didn't mention this, but looking at the images of, on social media, it looks like there's a map. They of, didn't. They mentioned it. Oh, they did? Okay, so then there's a map of the city that we see in that. It looks like it's the city that we see in the animated mm-hmm. uh, piece that's a city floating on an asteroid, which, mm-hmm. again— blows my mind i i think that is so cool (laughs) i don't know it just seems so cool that you could just be going through the astral plane and see this asteroid but as it turns in space you realize there's it's inhabited Mm -hmm. and then it becomes an adventure which i think is super cool there are six new races Mm -hmm. did you and i think you wrote down the names of some of those races i i missed some of the names but i got the i got the descriptions okay great what do we have so we've got astral elves We've got autonomes. Which I think look just totally fun. Uh, there's flying monkeys, I forget what they were what the spa- oh, what the species what the race was called. Plasmoids. Yep. So you get to play an ooze. The Thrykeen, I think is what they, how they pronounced it. And I think that that name, there already are monsters called that. Okay. And so they're making that into a playable race. Mm, nice. And then, uh, I, again, I, I didn't write down the name of the race, but the hippo people. Yes. 
which are, are just look so cool. And I just think about like those guys, like I'd love to see one of those guys go up against, okay, so here's a place where we've talked about this. <laughs> I'd love to see one of those hippo guys go up against the dragonborn and just do a, a grappling <laughs> battle between, between those two races, I think would be so cool. But, you know, we're getting to a point where we're starting to see some some of these sort of massive races where you could have like a full full on tank type type of as far as races go, have a very diverse group of of characters that are all just big muscle bound. And uh, I just I don't know there's something cool about that rather than just having a really big human and a half orc. You know, now we've got some things that kind of lend its, lend to that. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Then they introduced some new monsters. So those are all in the first book. I don't remember, again, don't remember, I didn't write down the titles of the books. But the first book seems to be a more player's handbook kind of book where it's got the races. I'm going to bet that we're going to have some new equipment. I imagine the the mechanics of how, how travel works and yep. all those sorts of things. They made a point of saying... Rather than just being able to teleport places, their intention is that this setting, it, the, the journey is the adventure. Yes. You're, you're supposed to really indulge in the whole, it's going to take you a while to get mm-hmm. where it is you're going. Which made me realize I'm probably being too realistic in my homebrewing because I'm, I'm not, I don't really do portals i make you guys tra- travel you do. You do. <laughs> so, so we're all ready for the astral plane we already know how that works that's so. right that's right and then the second book appears to be a monster compendium or bestiary i think is what as the language he uh chris perkins used and so there's some new creatures that they mentioned in there um and i didn't know if you wrote those down or those i didn't but so some new creatures to face in the astral plane here in Spelljammer. And then the last book, the third, will be an adventure to kind of get us started, get our feet wet into how to play Dungeons and Dragons, but in the astral plane using Spelljammer rules. And I'm, I'm, that's where I'm a little confused on. Is it still playing Dungeons and Dragons or will there be rules that separate the two games from each other? My hope is it's, it's the same game. It's just we're going to call this aspect of it Spelljammer. I yeah I would imagine the and the way five e rules are they're already so encouraging of people to bend them and make them into what they want them to be that probably be pretty easy to do that in this case too. Good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm just really excited about the different kind of adventure that we have here. They also talked about some really massive creatures. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a dragon uh, that lives in this area. There are a couple new dragons that they mentioned mm-hmm. and some other. So it's. They're smart. There's a couple of brand new monsters, it sounds like, or creatures, and then there's variants of ones that we're familiar with. So yeah. so people who... I, I, I mean, I, I don't use dragons really much in my homebrews, but I do find the different types fascinating. Yeah. And, and I'm, I was... Fizzbands was really fun to look through and see how they had expanded yeah. the concept of different types of dragons there. So... That hook, that's something that would hook me to make me want to look more into Spelljammer is, all right, what are these dragons from space like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they look really neat. A special 
edition. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Sort of an introductory. They uh, called it a prequel adventure. I did prequel, write that down. Okay, great. <laughs> a prequel adventure comes out in July. Mm-hmm. You need to, looks like it's going to be an online exclusive. Mm-hmm. So you need to get yourself a Wizards online account. Um, which I'm sure will somehow then eventually link in with. We've never talked. We haven't talked about this either. The purchase of D and D Beyond by Wizards, mm-hmm. and so it looks like they're really going to start heading to a digital sort of world. Not exclusively. I mean, they're still going to have the print books, but they're going to start building a um, you know a, a, a portal, if you will, in a digital world. And so to get the prequel adventure, um, you need to have a Wizards account to access that. And then the three-book slipcase piece for Spelljammer comes out in August. Yes. And we looked on Amazon, and it currently is sitting at $69 for that. So a little bit more than a regular uh, adventure book or rules book. Those are running usually around $50. So I'm kind of curious. When I hear 64-page book, scratch my head a little that, bit. That I, I thought the librarian in you would be wondering what that would actually look like. Yep. But, but you've got you've got a music stand here next to me that has a book of music on it that's 70 pages long and I f- held that and pushed the pages together and it's not a real thick book no. but when I look at the image on social media of the books it has an appearance to be a bit thicker of a book so I don't know I don't know you know I'm splitting hairs here on technicalities but it doesn't feel like a, a big a big book that we're going to be getting but there're three of them right and so, I, and I think and you look at the price and what they add in, it, it's comparable. It's not gouging, exactly. Yeah, It's just a different format. That's well put, because one thing I know is is they never disappoint. Yeah. So even though I hear 64 page and I go, ooh, <laughs> they will, I know it will not be disappointing. It'll be yeah. uh, well worth it. So that is Spelljammer. We'll talk about that as we get closer and as more information comes out about Spelljammer and we'll have the names of the races and we'll, I'm, sure, I'm sure those names are going to be commonplace before long. We'll get to that when August comes around. The last item, the last item of, uh, that we want to talk about regarding the announcement, there are other things in there like, oh, like they, they gave a, a full banquet, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of figures, minifigs for Spelljammer. Yep. And there's some other pieces in there, um, campaign cases and stuff like that. But we wanted to just touch base on Dragonlance. Right. Is that right? Okay. So that was the last part of the announcement. And I wondered when that announcement was going to come out. And again, for hopelessly ignorant people like me, refresh my memory, Dragonlance is a series of novels. So there was a series of novels in Dragonlance, but Dragonlance is a world. Okay. Um, and so, like, we've got the Forgotten Realms. Okay. Um, we've played in Eberron. Mm-hmm. Forgot, uh, Dragonlance is that type of concept. Okay. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going off of my, you know, my history of playing D&D. So um, not to catch you off guard, we didn't plan this question ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Does it, is it, like on a different plane from Forgotten Realms or Waterdeep? Is that how that works? That's how I would play it. I mean, other people might say it's it's just a different continent on the same world. Okay. Um, I think you can play it probably any way you want, but I've always pictured it as a separate plane. Okay. Um, just like where Strahd lives. <laughs> that's that's a different plane. Barovia. Um, Barovia. Dragonlands, I mean, a lot of people are excited about this. 
So I, I don't know exactly what that brings. As a kid, I know I played in Dragonlance. I was looking through my collection. I have some Dragonlance modules from back in the day. Oh, okay. But I don't know as a kid playing it that I I paid any attention to what one was versus a Forgotten Realms and that. Okay, well, all right. So that piques my interest because the, the bit that you just showed me on the video told us almost nothing in a way that made you want to want to know something. Yeah. It was a very, it felt like a, a movie trailer. Yes, it did. It was a bit apocalyptic. Yes. Like horrible, horrible things have happened in Dragonlance. And I don't remember the, the statements that went through, but it was like, we don't do this for honor. We don't do this for this. We do it for each other. Like it's a, it's a survival kind of world is yeah. what they set up there. Yeah. It felt we're fighting the long defeat. This is an unwinnable conflict type yeah. of a, a, a setup, which is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so they'll be fun to they'll be fun to see what more comes out with Dragonlance. I don't recall if they put a date on that or not. But what was the name of the gate? They, they do have a name for it. Warriors of Kryn. Warriors of Kryn. So we'll have to see what that entails as we come get closer to that. I know it. I believe it said 2023 at the end of the. Trailer, but I know I don't remember. So, nonetheless, there's time for us to figure that out. But just wanted to share with everyone today what our thoughts are on the announcement. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, we always love the discourse with all of you as to what you think about the announcements. Correct anything that we have talked about because we're talking <laughs> off of just watching the video once, giving a, our opinion about. But it's but the bottom line is whether we're right or we're wrong. It's exciting stuff coming from Wizards of the Coast mm -hmm. for Dungeons and Dragons. Anything that, that they can do to make to give more diversity to our game, to bring more worlds, new creatures, new classes and races for us to play, to develop the imagination, the creativity, to bring more fun to the game, I'm all in. <laughs> yes. I'm 100% in, and it gets us excited. But also, I look at that space aspect, and I think about all of our students in game club who love science fiction, but maybe Dungeons and Dragons wasn't exactly, you know, they're not really fantasy kids. They're really more space kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe a spell jammer kind of concept will bring them into that role-playing world. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. So anything we can do to, to build those imaginations, I'm all for it. Any final thoughts on, on today's show? No, I think you got them all. Not a thought in my head. Okay. <laughs> Well, we have done our job of <laughs> emptying Dan's head of yes. all thoughts. So I guess that means it's time to uh, finish things up for the show. We appreciate you listening to Teachers in the Dungeon and joining us right here every week on the podcast. Thank you for that. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We are Teachers in the Dungeon. On Twitter, we are at Dungeon Teachers. Join the conversation there. Hang out with us. You know what, Dan? We're not too terribly far away from Gen Con. That is true. Yeah. I mean, our school year is almost over. And by Free. the end of the summer, we will be hanging out at Gen Con. So if you're planning on going to Gen Con, reach out to us. Let us know. Maybe we need to arrange something where we can all, like, at a certain time, certain place, get together, meet and greet. Walk by each other at the same time. <laughs> High five, <laughs> something like that, yeah. But, uh, but let us know if you're planning on going to Gen Con. Reach out to us on, uh, uh, in our Gmail, teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Until next week, keep rolling those 20s on your saving throws, and be kind to yourself, be kind to others. Talk to you soon. That
wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.